Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Show on WFLA News to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage like we are every Sunday at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, it's been an interesting and challenging real estate year. Uh, So much has happened in the last couple of years with, uh, you know, COVID obviously is a big part of that. Uh, Changes in political policy um, have been a big part of it. Uh, A migration south, lots of people moving here. Um, So, there, you know, it's really kind of kept real estate companies on the fly. And an article that I saw this week kind of um, triggered a thought that I, you know, that I covered with our team. And um, it was basically geared around a customer whose realtor had to isolate and quarantine because they'd either been exposed to COVID, had COVID, um, whatever it is, and whether it was okay for the client to break the arrangement with them as a buyer. So the... Um, so I want to talk about this from a buyer perspective because from a seller perspective, it really doesn't make that much of a difference because the home's still going to be shown by other brokers, and um, you know it, it, the likelihood is that the listing agent has other people working for them and can cover the showings and things like that if they're not able to right. to be in person. So I, I'm really not going to touch on the listing side too much. I'm going to really talk about you as a home buyer. So first off. Um, buyers sign an agreement sometimes with agents called a, a buyer brokerage agreement, like an exclusive agreement. However, uh, there's not a whole lot of weight behind them. They're pretty cancelable. So the, the reality is if if a buyer doesn't want to continue working with that agent, um, you know, they can provide cancellation in writing. And unless there's something else unique in that agreement, because again, every agreement's a legal document, every agreement's different, but the majority of the ones I've seen just require the buyer to say, we don't want to work with you anymore. Right. It's it's more or less kind of a, a you know, a slightly stronger than handshake agreement. So the reality is, however, though, that most real estate agents today, I think have figured this out, and including in our in our company, when that happens. They have, they have other people that work with them. They have partner agents. They have other people on their team. Um, so what I would tell you is if you like your agent, um, because a lot of what an agent does uh, is the negotiation process. That, that's a lot of where they add their value and where you need to be comfortable with them. Um, so if, you're, if your agent has COVID, they can still use the phone. They can right. still use text message. Yep. They can still write up a contract. But as far as the showings go, they may need to have someone else cover for that. Um, and they can do FaceTime and things like that. So are you able to get out of an agreement with a buyer agent? Of course you're able to. Should you? I think depends on whether or not that agent and brokerage has come up with a great plan for how to navigate through the new world that we're in with COVID. And, and in our company, whenever it happens, our agents, they, they buddy up. They're saying, hey, look, I need you to talk to these people. I need you to show these homes. I'll keep talking and negotiating. They team up. Just like anything else, I believe you can accomplish more with the team uh, than you can anything sure. else. You know, even even the greatest individual athletes, the Usain Bolts and the Tiger Woods, they, they have a team. Right. They have a team behind them. They have a team of people that you never see. So I believe you should give your agent an opportunity to try and still continue to do the majority of the work. They just not be able to may not be able to meet you in person and open the doors. Yeah, and I know so many times with your team over the past couple of years during COVID and everything else, we had so many people, you guys had so many people that 
bought houses without ever seeing them. I know we've done segments sure. on that site unseen doing via FaceTime video sure. tours and everything else. And so just because now they're local and they're able to do it because somebody maybe has to quarantine or has COVID, it can't be there. It, it, it's no different. So I know you and your team are very experienced in doing that and being right. able to handle it. And the, and the same thing goes with, you know, in addition to not being able to be physically there to open the door, their agent that they're working with could go straight to FaceTime sure. and literally right. FaceTime them through each and every house and kind of be there every step of the way anyway. Now, again, if you're averse to technology, if you don't like that, then then again, allow the agent the opportunity to maybe have their assistant or one of the other agents in their office or the owner of their company in some instances. I know at our company, for example, um, I've stepped in and shown homes for sure. people that, that are in those situations. And I think that uh, you know our broker has done it. Our sales president has done it. So the reality is, is I would tell you, give your agent the opportunity to try and come up with a solution for that because they've already worked hard to earn your business. Um, they've already show, you've already determined that you trust them or else you wouldn't have agreed to work with them in the first place. So I, I would say give them the opportunity first. However, um, if that doesn't work out or if you know you don't like the technology or if you don't know how to use uh, FaceTime um, and and you're just you know you really want the person that works with you to be the same all the way throughout, then, then maybe you know you could look at something. I do think that's a mistake though. I think far too often people will. Um, pick an agent that can open a door that isn't necessarily the right agent, you know? And, and so, um, you know, this is one of those circumstances where I think, you know, you, you allow the agent and the brokerage in the company to make an adjustment, to adapt. Um, I think we've all had to do that. I, I would say extend them some grace, give them the opportunity to adapt. It's not For their sure. fault. You know, they, they came across someone with COVID, you know, you might have that happen in your job. Would you feel great if, you know, that happened to you and then you lose money or you lose a sale? So I would say give your agent a chance at the at you know the worst case scenarios if you absolutely can't do it or you don't like the people they've they've assigned to you then obviously you could look to hire another agent but the other agent hire may not be the right one either yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, you know, this is all about timing, right? Because, you know, you may feel you need to go look at something, you know, quickly or soon and everything else. And so those needs get met by having someone else be able to go in there. And so you don't necessarily need to do that. And, you know, give the agent in this scenario some credit that they're telling you this can be happened. You know, there's too many people out there that just, you know, they would they might not tell you, might not be truthful with you and keep showing you houses if they're not, you know, if they don't have any symptoms or whatnot, but they were exposed. And, you know, that's how this dang thing spreads. So, right. you know, you got to appreciate that they're actually, do, you know, doing the right thing. Yeah. Imagine if, I mean, and, and I think you're right. Imagine if they didn't tell you and then they gave your whole family COVID. Right. You know, but that fear of them losing the business is something that if too many people do that and take yeah, the business from agents and give it to somebody else and the agents are going to be like, look, I can't lose the sale. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to still show the houses. And then it, it could be, you know, you could be getting COVID. So, For sure. Um, if too many people choose that path. So, um, you know, I want to move on next. Uh, you know, I'm never a big fan of talking too much about uh, reality real estate uh, shows because I think that most of them are uh, TV shows. They're not they're not reality. They're fake. They should call them fakeality um, because the the majority of the real estate shows just are not authentic. And, right. and I've watched them. Some of the people on some of the shows I know personally, um, I've masterminded with them before they got on the TV. And, I, you know, I've shared conversations with them where they tell me how much of it staged, like houses that um, aren't even on the market that sold already. But they they fit the look of what the producer wants of so the people walk through it and they talk about it, even though it's not even available for sale anymore. So there, there's a lot of, you know, kind of stuff, you know, yeah. stuff with that. But 
Uh, Selling Sunset, Selling Sunset, one of the popular uh, TV shows, had a really cool uh, five approved rules to acing a real estate today that I liked. And the very first one of their rules is never assume a home will be perfect. Uh, Mike, have you ever seen a perfect house? Never, never. Doesn't exist. It, it does not exist, and it's it's all in the eye of the beholder, too, right? So that's why you're never going to be able to have a perfect one, but that should not be part of your expectations. Yeah, you never, never expect a perfect house. There's always going to be something wrong, no matter your budget. Uh, the more expensive your budget, the less likely you should find smaller, minuscule items. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I've never seen a clean inspection for it. I've never seen a perfect house. Right. Um, everyone thinks their house is perfect. As an owner, there's a reason, because you bought it or you built it. But the reality is, is buyers will find things about it that they do not like. So there's no such thing as a perfect one. And, and what I'll tell you is even when you go, sometimes you go look at a house one, two, three times. I, the last house that I bought, I, I swear we looked at it four or five times before we, we bought it. And I still miss things that once I yeah. bought it and closed, you're like, I'm oh, like, I, I never I noticed this, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so it's, um, it's, it's one of those things. Number two on our list, check what's going on next door. For sure. You know, that could be, um, you know, they could have, you know, they could be a partier. They could be up all night. They could have a bunch of people living there. Uh, it could be a new, con- it could be an empty lot that's probably going to be built on and you're going to have to deal with construction. Right. So kind of analyze that. I think in South Tampa, uh, really anywhere in Tampa, if you're next to a vacant lot, guess what? It's going to get built yeah. on while you own it. Just prepare and plan on that and expect that. And if it doesn't happen, then great. Um, uh, the next thing, be aware prices are appreciating fast. Um, look, if you're out there looking at houses and you're looking at a 250 or a 300,000, you take a few months, that 250 might go to 300,000. Right. You know, we're seeing pretty considerable appreciation. So if you don't act quick, if you don't close quick, if you if your home search goes on for a long time, it's going to cost you money. You know, I mean, it, it's going to get more expensive, whether you um, and, and especially today, knowing that, look, there's a lot of risk about interest rates rising. So. Right. Uh, no question, it's it's got a it, it, prices are heading in a positive. Direction. Yeah, I mean you got to you got to if when you're ready, you need to go out there and you need to make it because the longer that you you wait, you're going to end up paying more. Um, yeah. I mean I feel like I, I'm a broken record, but so many people told us a year yeah. ago we're going to wait, and here and they are guess paying what? more money. Yeah, rates are a not little only bit not not only more in rate, but they're paying more in price. Right, more know? in price. So, yeah, big part of it in price. I mean, we've I, seen we've seen homes in Tampa Bay and some neighborhoods appreciate twenty plus percent. Yeah. you know, I mean now again, there's others where it only appreciated five. Right, you know, but but nonetheless, there are neighborhoods out there where we're seeing massive appreciation, and waiting is just going to cost you money. And I don't think either of us think it's going to go that you know that much next year as well, but it's still yeah. going to continue to grow. Right. Rates are probably yeah. going to trickle up, and there is going to yeah. be price appreciation. In today's market, obviously, number four, uh, home buyers must move fast. Yes. So, Mike, if someone wants to look at a house four times today, like you did when you bought your house, they're going to lose it. <laughs> right. There's not enough time to look at four. Yes. So, so I'll tell you what: just take longer at the showing. Walk, you know, literally walk through the house and come outside, shut the door, and then walk through the house again. Go through it four or five times in one sitting. You're 100 you know? right. The house, yeah, the house I buy, you wouldn't be able to do that today. You can't go. You almost got to go in and write that offer same day in some of these houses. Yep. You know, we see all the the pictures of uh, you know lines out the door you know at waiting 10 minutes before the open house to start to get in and you know those things happening but yeah but, you gotta but be I, ready I think it's important for the agent to kind of you sometimes go through that list of homes and help the client maybe minimize it and right. reduce it yeah. and then Narrow spend more time at the houses that you look at so instead of going back to it four times and, and spending 15 minutes each time spend an hour there walk through it a lot yeah you know walk through it several times open and close every door sit outside drive through at night like get as much as you can out of that out of that one visit the last one uh to make your um home sale um an ace deal um from selling sunset 
is uh, drop contingencies to stand out from higher offers. So waive your inspection, waive your appraisal, um, you know, and, and obviously having a stronger escrow. The fewer contingencies that are in place, the better chance your offer is of getting accepted, especially when you're up against higher offers. So, so again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. We're going to continue our conversation at, uh, about the Tampa Bay real estate market. We're going to talk more. Uh, make sure you're following us on all of our socials when we aren't on air. We are at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. You won't see me doing TikTok dances, but I've got some pretty funny TikToks out there. So check us out. And we'll be back after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show on WFLA News talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo with Mike Corrigan. And I know we've talked about it a few times, but I think it's important this time of year to talk about holiday decorations. Yes. Now, look, Mike, it's not our place to tell people how to decorate their house. I'm really... I will admit, I am a Christmas junkie. If you know where I live or if you've driven by my house, you know that I am. I go all out for Christmas. Um, you know, I've it's people, friends have joked that it looks like Christmas vomited in my house <laughs> because I have knickknacks and you know um, globes and pictures and sayings and quotes and you know I just I love Christmas, right? Um, however, if I was selling my home and I am not, um, but if I was, I would tone it down quite a bit. Um, and, and not because of my reduced love for Jesus or for Christmas, but more because I understand that the more your house is decorated during the holidays, um, the, the more you can seem unappealing to buyers, the more buyers can miss things when they're paying attention to your decorations, the more inspection problems it can prevent, and the more you might offend somebody that doesn't have the same beliefs or views about the holidays as you. So it's 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 crucial this time of year to to be conscientious about that. Again, if you can't tone it down, then wait until December 26th. Right. You know, if you literally just can't do it, then then don't put your home on the market the next couple of weeks cuz next couple of weeks if you're going to put your house on the market um and look, there's very little inventory. You I don't care what holiday is coming up and with the math and the saturation rates and the month supply inventory in Tampa, it doesn't matter what day. You put your house on market Christmas Day, there's going to be people on, lining up your door. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Like, we're not in a market where you're not going to get attention. It doesn't matter what day you put your house on the market right now with inventory so low, it's going to get attention. But you want to get the best attention it can. You want to make the best impression you can make. You don't want to have your house looking like, you know, Clark Griswold's. You need to have it very toned down and very neutral so that buyers can emotionally attach to the house. Right. And they may not see the true, you know, the true layout of the house, you know, 11 and a half months of the year, how it normally is or how it flows. Things may Right. Look like a smaller. tree could eat up most of your living room right. and they could think, oh my goodness, this living room is so small. Well, yeah. it's so small because you have a nine foot fur <laughs> in right. your living room right. that's yeah. shooting out up, the windows. You know, blow you know? up Santa. Right. And, you exactly. Know, and you've got so. all the knickknacks and ornaments all over the shelves and it looks, it maybe looks a little bit cluttered yep. or it looks a little bit you know, tight. There's too much stuff in it. So, so again, if you're selling your home, you need to pay attention to that. Now look, and, and, and the other side of it is the inspection stuff. I've seen so many inspection reports during the holiday season come back with electric issues because they're overloading circuits or tripping breakers. Right. Water gets in the Christmas lights, trips a breaker and, he, and the inspector thinks something's wrong. And, right. you know, so, so it creates, it creates problems. It also creates problems of access. Your tree could be blocking something important and the inspector doesn't get to it. And then the buyer wants money off because they think something's, they think you're hiding something with your tree. So it just, it really can. And, and look, I love Christmas. I'm not saying don't decorate. I'm just saying be conscientious that too much decor 
uh, can be problematic for the um, you know for the home buyer. Yes. If you're a home buyer, do your best to look past it. Yep. Right. You know? I mean, just just do your best to envision the home like you know like like it doesn't have that stuff there as best you can. Yeah, and as a home buyer, you can you know try and use that as a little bit of negotiation. True. If you have somebody that comes to a house like yours that's all filled with you know knickknacks and everything yeah. else like that, you you know you can you push may be on able to do that. And you may yeah. be able to do that because somebody and, and, didn't listen to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one thing I tell people too, like and, and and I mean I'm a firm believer in this. I think if you do have your house on the market during the holidays, you're probably a motivated seller. If you're right. going to inconvenience yourself like that, so a lot of home buyers this time of year can get really good deals. Um, not from every seller. You know, it's not like every seller out there is desperate, but there's enough of them out there that are motivated and hungry to get their home sold that that you may be able to get a better deal. Literally, I'm not kidding you, every single year, and I just had it happen uh, in December, somebody comes to me and brings me an incredible real estate deal and they just want it, they want it gone by the end of the year. They're tired of the house. It's a rental. They're tired of the tenants. It's there's tax reasons. Um, it could just be there in a great happy mood watching lifetime movies all day. And they're ready to take a little bit of a haircut to not have to deal with the tenants anymore. Yes. So every year around this time, I get a good deal. So buyers, if you're out there, Man, don't take these next few weeks off. Keep paying attention. Investors, same thing. Keep paying attention. Keep looking at listings. Keep making offers. A lot of people get to this time of the year, probably a few weeks ago. Obviously, honestly, a lot of real estate agents hit the day after Thanksgiving, and you know they eat so much that they just don't ever get up again. Right. You know they're done for the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they see you so January much. Sleep and they're done. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you in January. So, so no, the the um, you know the 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 moral of the story is if you're an investor or a home buyer looking for a deal. You want to be paying attention when other people are checking out. Yeah. You want to be doing what other people aren't doing. You know, you don't want to be moving the same way as everybody else. And right now, there's a lot of um, sellers and owners that um, aren't get you know, and buyers that are just kind of opting out. More buyers than anything, and buyers opting out of the market means you might get an opportunity you wouldn't get otherwise. So keep yeah. paying attention, especially if something pops on the market in the next couple of weeks. I mean, here we are, you know, less than two weeks away from Christmas. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, you're going to say, okay, I'll just wait till after Christmas. If somebody put lists their house, you know, within two weeks of Christmas, they most likely are a motivated seller. They're a motivated and, seller. And they no want to get it done it. and you can go in there and yeah. it's a change. You you and again, it may not be price, but you may be able to control some other things. Sure. It may be about the date. You may be able to take longer to close. Yep. There's a lot of different things outside of price that, that matter in a real estate transaction. So anyway, we're going to continue our conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show on WFLA News. Are you aiming to buy a home in the next year? Well, look, it's the holidays. You've got a few weeks left in the year. Um, you're probably wrapping up taxes at some point soon. You're probably starting your financial plan, or maybe you're not. Or maybe you're just getting into a lot of debt, buying a bunch of Christmas stuff that people don't really need. Right. Um, so let's talk about what people have to do to buy a home next year, things they can start doing now to prepare themselves so that they can buy. And that doesn't mean they buy January 1, but buy sometime next year. The first one is improve your credit. So uh, there's a lot of things people can do to improve credit. Um, paying down debt, uh, reducing debt to income, um, getting larger credit lines. Yes. Um, you know, looking for errors on their credit report that they can dispute. Uh, paying off cars, paying off, you know, houses, paying off furniture bills. All those types of things are things that you can do now. I think the most important thing people can do now, run your credit. Yes. You know, there's a lot of free service out there. Run your credit, know what's there, and then try and look for ways to improve it. 
Absolutely. There's so many services out there. You know, there's one, uh, you know, sponsored by the government, annualcreditreport.com, that everybody, every American's entitled to one free report per year from each of the bureaus. Go out there, take a look, make sure there's nothing wrong on there. There's no mistake that's on there and everything else to, to make sure there isn't there. Because if you wait till you're ready to buy a house and then you find something that was there that you have no idea what it is and it's someone with a similar name or, you know, whatever it may be, it, it can be a, a longer process to do it. So you want to, you know, get a good baseline now um, to yeah. see where you're at. And if you do need to do something or you just need to stay the course, at least, you know. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because they say improve your credit. But what I think they should have said is improve your debt to income ratio. Yes. Because here's another way you can improve your debt to income ratio. You can increase your income. Right. So, you know, look, it's the end of the year. Maybe your boss, if there's anyone from my company listening to this, please hang up. Please stop listening now. Had kind of a challenging year this year, so don't don't be coming to me with this. But, you know, your boss is feeling festive. They right. had a good year. They're happy. They haven't figured out how much their tax bill is going to be next year. They're sipping eggnog at the holiday party. Maybe now is the time to hit them up for that raise. So, again, you improve your debt-to-income ratio by increasing your income. Um, side gigs are another one. Now, side gigs may not necessarily go towards counting for your income because sometimes they need to be they need to have done them longer, um, or they could cause problems. Right. But it can also help them uh, save up more for a down payment. Yeah, and one thing that a lot of people don't know this is the amount of the credit line that you're using actually has a decent size impact yeah. on your credit score. So, right. you know, if you have a credit card with, you know, a $5,000 limit, you don't want to have a $4,800 balance. Yeah, you want to increase, if you're going to keep having a $4,800 balance, you, you want to increase that limit to ten grand right. or more. Yeah, you know? so in, in the best- The you, utilization you, ratio, right. call. It's exactly, it's called utilization. If you can be at 30% or less, that's where you're going to get the most optimal yeah. improvement to your score. So that is a great way to do that. Instead of maybe paying one card off and then having a high balance on another one, if you could pay them both down, and so then that get you have your, more and get your and get your credit line increased. A lot right. of a lot of banks and credit card companies will yes. increase your credit line. I know I do it all the time. It's funny. Like I look at, I monitor my credit. I look at it like once a month. And uh, the, the interesting thing is, is that um, you know, I obviously run a lot of business expenses through credit cards that I'm personal guarantor for, and so it does hit my personal credit. And on days uh, during certain yes. periods of the month, when those balances are really high, I pay them in full every month. But when those balances are real high, my credit score is bad. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say bad. It's still great, but it's it's lower. Right. And then, you know, a few days after it's paid off, if I check it during a different time, then my score can literally fluctuate 50 points in a month. So if you are someone that does do a lot of that, most from my understanding, and I think you could probably talk to this too, like if your score is low because of that, then you re you do like a rescore or you submit documentation to show it. It really, your score doesn't really it doesn't get impacted as much, even though it may look like it does. Right. Yeah. It won't have a huge impact that's on there. But it, to your point, if you know that if that's the way your your life runs or your business runs or anything else, you know, it is just a snapshot in time yeah. when we pull your credit. It's at that yeah. moment in time. So Correct. if you know a week from now, hey, I'm paying off $40,000 worth of debts or something right. else, you know, wait the week. It's worth doing it because Correct. it'll give you the best chance. The other thing is um, research down payment options. Yeah. You know, I mean, figure out what you're going to do there. You're going to go, you know, FHA, conventional, 3%, 5%, 10%, 20%, 0% if you're VA or other loan products. So, I mean, you, you've got to figure out what you're going to do and then how 
how you're going to save up for it. Yeah. And, you know, I was just talking to friends this week, you know, that are looking to buy a house um, in another state, but looking to buy a house. And they said, well, we really don't want to pay PMI. Should we sell our house first to buy? I said, you know, PMI is so inexpensive these days. So you could look at lower down payment options. And they got great credit. They were high 700s and, and look at it. And they were looking at just over a $300,000 house. And I ran a quote for PMI and it was under 50 bucks a month. Yeah, it wasn't much. To, and it, especially it's so for the inexpensive. Big and they're like, oh yeah. my gosh, the last time we had it, it was over $200 yeah. a month. Because the mortgage, the mortgage markets, the insurance industry has changed a lot because yeah. the risk is different. And so look at the different options that are there because even if you have the ability to put more money down, it may not make sense. You may not want to. It may not yeah. make sense. And then you have right. more money for improvements or whatnot. Yeah, no doubt about it. So research your, your down payment options and um, you know, kind of plan, plan for what you're going to do. Save. Yes. Here, here's another big one that isn't on there and it talks and it's part of improving your credit. Look, it's the holidays. How about you don't overextend yourself and put too much on credit cards that you can't pay as easily right. because that's going to trickle into next year and you're, it's going to cause problems for your credit that would prob, be problematic for buying. So you got to be cautious to not sign up for every 0% Furniture offered during holidays yes, right. and all those financing TVs. And if you can, you know, if you can, then avoid that. Because I will tell you, the type of credit that you have, too, can affect your score and a negative impact, right? And, oh, yeah. and so there's different tiers of yeah. even the retail cards and everything else. And to your point, if you try and save 15% today by signing up for every department score card, that's that's going to have a bigger impact. Yeah. Being nimble is another point. You got to be, you got to be, you know, you got to be nimble. You got to be willing to act quick. You got to do your research. You got to be ready to act fast. You have to be prepared. Know what yep. you're looking for. Do your research now ahead of time to figure out where you want to live, what you want in a house, so that when you are ready to strike, you've done a lot of that and you're not, you're not in discovery mode. The last one is don't overpay. Um, look, it's a tough market for that because you know prices are rising. Homes are turning into bidding wars and all these types of things. So don't overpay is tough, but um, but but there are things you can do. You can make sure to one thing that I think buyers make the mistake of in terms of overpaying. I think a lot of buyers, specifically millennial buyers, you know what I think millennial buyers are, Mike, quasi narcissists, <laughs> because they've been on Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and their whole life. Not all of them. Look, millennials, I love you. I got a bunch of you working for me. I love you guys. Okay, but I know a lot of millennials that their whole self-worth is defined by how many people like their posts on Instagram or Facebook. Right, how many and, followers and, they have. And yeah. if they didn't get enough likes or follows, they deleted and, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? How so, so what I mean by that and why that matters is because they're used to that social gratification that when they go to buy a house and it doesn't have like the perfect crystal clear inspection report and they've never looked at one before, they want to kill the deal because it doesn't fit their ideal uh, Amazon click now, buy here, social gratification, get it easy, get it quick uh, mantra. It just right. doesn't work yeah. that way, buying a house. So home buyers, you're going to overpay if you cancel on inspection for silly, nonsense, small stuff. Because the next house after that, we've had buyers do four and five home inspections and four and five deals canceled and then frustrated. You know, well, you're canceling deals because it had a couple of roof shingles missing and, you know, the fridge was four years old and not newer. You know, like you got to be conscientious that you're actually costing yourself more money and going to end up causing yourself to overpay because what most buyers in those circumstances do, they get frustrated and they say, well, maybe I can't get a good house at 300. So I'm going to raise my budget to right. 400 and then they overextend themselves. So be realistic about the inspection. OK, understand that it's not going to be perfect. 
separate your desire for what the inspection report says and your need for likes on social media. Those are two separate things and you're not going to get a clean, pretty filtered inspection report. You can't press a button like you can on Snapchat and make yourself look better <laughs> with the inspection report. You can't throw right. it through a filter, <laughs> push a button to make it look all pretty. Okay. So, you know, so again, a lot of people will overpay because then that's what they're trained to, to be, to, to think is, you know, satisfies them and that makes them happy. So then they get frustrated and then they inspect and inspect. And then by the time it's all said and done, interest rates have gone up and they're paying a hundred thousand dollars more for a house when they should just bought the first one that had some simple minor stuff that they would have needed to do in year one. Yeah. And if I can throw in one more on there too, is that make sure you're working with an experienced real estate agent that goes out there. There are people out there now that are just listing their house at astronomical prices just to see if someone will give them an offer just to see if they can get it. I I, yep. I know people um, that I met and they said, no, we're not really interested in selling, but if they're willing to pay this price, then we would be. And right. they're just putting things up there. And so you may go into a neighborhood and if you're not experienced, you don't know, you don't know what's going on in the market, maybe you will end up overpaying. Right. And so using and look, an experienced real estate it, yeah, agent is yeah. important. Big, huge, huge part of it. And, and and somebody that has backing behind them, I think is an important thing yeah. too. They've got training, they've got coaching, they've got more experience, you know, kind of, running through it. Another part of that, when it goes back to, you know, using experienced real estate agents, there's never been a time when more people have been getting into the real estate industry. So there's a lot of poorly trained, trained on zoom. Yeah. All right. Trained on zoom. And I'm just going to be honest. They probably paid attention for about seven minutes during the one hour zoom training. So they got their training and their license from zoom. And now they're out there helping you buy your half a million dollar house. So it, it does make a huge difference about the agent that you hire uh, I know lots of people that have worked with friends and family that decided to get their license. And, you know, sometimes you have to separate, you know, business from 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 that to make the best decision. So, um, you know, it, it is it's a man, it's a problem right now. And and I deal with it a lot on our side because we're doing transactions sometimes with these agents that aren't experienced, that right. didn't get great training, that got Zoom training. Didn't get a lot of FaceTime, didn't get a lot of opportunity to figure out how a contract works and go through enough transactions to know what they're doing. And then we've got to kind of do extra work to kind of pull that agent along because they don't know what they're doing. So you don't want to be the client that's stuck in that. You know, you just don't. It's a tough and, situation. And, and yeah. It really is. It causes you to overpay. It causes mistakes. It causes you to cancel deals that maybe you shouldn't cancel. So there's just, there's so many obstacles that come along with that. So um, we're going to, on the next, uh, on the other side here, we're going to jump to a break in a minute. And we're going to, our next thing we're going to talk about is home staging. I think it's something that gets misunderstood a lot. It's not something as prevalent in a hot market like this, because most homes are selling without it, but it really can make a difference. I'm going to talk about the difference that staging can make. Um, after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market, home staging. Does it really matter or not? And here's what I will say. Um, I think that uh, it definitely matters. Uh, National Association of Realtors and all kinds of trade groups have statistics that show that homes that are staged um, sell for more money than the cost of the staging and that you get a multiple on that investment. Um, it's not just staging though, it's good staging. Right. Uh, there are a lot of companies out there that put cheap generic rental furniture in houses and call that staging. And then they put like fake TVs on the wall and it looks tacky. Yep. So, so I think does good staging a home really add value? Of course. I also think it's relevant to the saturation rates. I'll look at it myself personally. And I think that um, when you're selling a, um, a, a home 
that is priced in a price range where there's very little inventory, it's going to be a bidding war and probably go for the max price you could get whether you stage it or not, in my opinion. The higher you go on price, the more important staging becomes because the more you're selling not just a house, but a lifestyle. Yep. If we're talking about starter homes, for the most part, you're not dealing with people um, with people as likely to be um, as as impressed or in as much need as uh, of a lifestyle as someone buying a million-dollar house. So as you climb the price charts, it becomes more and more important to have a home staged well or staged luxuriously Yes, um, because you're selling that lifestyle. Similarly, uh, you know, even if it's not a luxury lifestyle that you're selling, I've seen homes on the beach when I've looked at vacation properties that have a very cool beachy theme staging thing going on um, because that's the theme of the neighborhood. Or, um, you know, I've seen homes that um, are in, you know, very urban areas that have kind of a loft, you know, staging thing to them. And, and that's the point because that's the makeup of the area. Someone's already chosen to live there. That's kind of the lifestyle they're looking to, to right. live. But when you're talking in today's market, when you're going to get 15 offers on a $250,000 house, um, it's probably going to go as high as it possibly can uh, support on an appraisal. So a lot of times to, in today's market, you know, we're encouraging people to declutter clean up and and maybe in some instances reduce or cut out the cost of staging on on lower priced homes but it becomes really important the higher the price that that investment becomes um you know a great um selling feature to sell a lifestyle and you know you, you, the lifestyle selling happens more as you go up in price yeah for sure and especially i mean especially here where we have so many different neighborhoods or areas where on the luxury end, whether it's waterfront or certain, right. I mean, and even different, the different waterfront neighborhoods, whether, you know, different areas of St. Pete out to Clearwater beaches, different things have different kind of styles and everything else. And so um, you are really selling a lifestyle and you're selling a, you know, yeah. a, a, a way of life and the whole experience of everything else. And so you got to make sure the house goes along with that. And here, here's one thing though, I want to define two things. You have Staging and professional staging. Right. A lot of what we're talking about here is professional staging. Hiring sure. a stager. Okay? Yeah. I think every house needs staged. But what, what the staging is will depend on the budget and what your goal is. The staging could simply be having it vacant, having it cleaned up, having sure. you know, having it looking nice, smelling good, right. um, windows cleaned, uh, you know, fresh, you know, nice drapes, um, you know, everything clean and nice and fresh paint. Okay. Right. That that's staging. Yep. Okay. Um, it may not be as advanced as a professional staging on a higher end home that is furniture and TVs and, you know, all, all kinds of things. So I think, again, every house realistically needs some form of staging to get to to, to put its best foot forward. Um, the more questions someone has about the condition of a home, uh, the less likely they are to pay a premium price. So it's just a matter of whether or not you need a professional stager, I think, is, is what I'm kind of getting at with, with the point here. So. Every house needs staging. Sometimes the staging is simply just some cleaning. Sure. You know, right. you're trying to set a tone for the house. Absolutely. And so, again, if you're selling a two or $300,000 house, you may not need it here. Um, you know, that house is probably going to sell. It's probably going to get a bidding war. It's probably going to go above what an appraisal can support anyway. So, um, you know, the, those are scenarios where I might tell a client. But if the client's got a $300,000 house that's a little funky, um, that, that maybe has a weird or odd layout or has some unique stuff, then may, maybe those circumstances. So yeah. realistically, it goes back to the whole experienced agent. Yeah, for sure. And I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, like in the earlier segment, we talked about Christmas decorations and don't going overdoing it. You know, if in your normal lifestyle, 
you live a certain way, whether it's cultural or the, the decor of your house yeah. or something that you you just like that is for you and it's great for you and everything else, but it may not appeal to the Correct. masses. Yeah. That's a time when you may want to come in and get a stage or your house could be beautiful with all right. that stuff, but it may turn somebody off. Or or even um, you know, and we're having a lot of sellers do this. A lot of sellers are moving before they sell. Right. Absolutely. You know? And in that case, the home gets vacant. Yep. And then you know that 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 is um, obviously a step in the right direction if they have, you know, a whole wall of their NASCAR collection or, right. you know, like, a, you know, the, we've sold houses. Some of them scare me. We've sold houses like rooms full of dolls. Like people collect dolls. Yeah. And we've got photos of these rooms with all these dolls. And it, it looks spooky. Like yeah. I, it, it's scary looking, you know. So if you have something like that, that a homebuyer is going to walk in and be like, what is this? Yeah, declutter, stage, you know, look, look at different right. options and that or, is or your, move out first, then sell. And to your point, that is staging, right? If you it empty the room of dolls, It's just a matter staging. of whether you're hiring a professional stager right. or, for it, sure. or a good staging or bad staging. Right. So anyway, we appreciate you tuning in uh, to the Dunkin' Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. We hope you have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay. Thanks for tuning in.